We are in the book of Jude today as we go through scripture. And if you read your e-blast, you know that next week, uh, and in two weeks rather, we'll do 1 John. We, we clumped 2 Peter and Jude together since they have so much in common. The universe is an amazing place, and those of us that, that have worked in physics and science and such just can get very excited talking about it. But the greatest, the second greatest power, of course, the greatest power is God. The second greatest power is not resident in black holes or in supernovae, but in story. Stories are more important and more powerful than anything outside of God himself. Story is what drives us forward. Story is what makes us retreat. What you believe determines what you do. It will affect you one way or the other. It affects your attitudes. The stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others make a difference. They make all the difference. So Jude finds himself in a situation where the first century church has lost its story. And the story is beginning to be corrupted by other stories. So he has to tell them their stories. And by the way, when I say stories, not all stories start with once upon a time. Some stories start with a, a protest sign. The, the poor people who lost their loved ones in Orlando are about to suffer again with the Westboro Baptist Church going to uh, protest the funerals. And they'll hold up a, a poster that'll say things like, God hates fags. That's a story. It's a false story. It's a terrible story. But it's a story. You need to know that assertions are stories. And so on your news, when they spend news this way or the other, those are stories. And what you believe about things matters. The book of Jude was probably written by Jesus' brother, Jude, a, a physical earthly brother. That means two of Jesus' brothers who came to faith after the resurrection ended up writing books in the New Testament, James and Jude. It was written somewhere around 60 to 65 AD, just a few years before the death of Paul, but it never mentions Paul or any of Paul's theology, probably for two reasons. One, Jude didn't get to write the book he wanted to. We'll talk about that in a minute. And second, they were in different circles. Paul worked with the Gentiles. Jude was very much locked into the Jewish community, and the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers were just starting to come together about this time. As I said, Jude wanted to write a theological treatise, perhaps something like the book of Romans, or he wanted to share a song of gratitude, perhaps like 1 John. But he had to write a short, corrective book because people were listening to the wrong stories. Do you remember the, the song that maybe some of you sang in Bible class when you were little, Be Careful Little Ears What You Hear? It matters what you put in your head. And they were listening to the wrong stories. Look at Jude verses 3 and 4. I thought about asking you, who have you read Jude chapter 2? And when you raise your hand, yelling, liar! But no, no, no chapters, just verses. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Could we, free, could we go back and hold that slide, please? I didn't tell you that earlier. My fault. I want to talk to you about this briefly. What is our faith? Well, according to Jude, by the year 60 to 65 AD, 
it had been once and for all delivered to the, the church. Well, one-third of the New Testament had not been written yet. I have been told by people in my life that, in fact, I talked to one man, and he said, the gospel of Christ is every word in the Bible. I said, really? And he said, yes. And I said, so if somebody didn't believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but they thought he was probably born outside Bethlehem, they'd be lost. And he said, yes. No. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? That faith had already been entrusted to us. Remember, Paul said, all I know is Jesus and him crucified. That's all I know. And that was enough. The great theologian Karl Barth, who was amazing in the number of books he wrote and the status he held in uh, the faith community, was asked, what do you know? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's our faith. Look at verse 4. Thank you, by the way. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Well, who are these people that have slipped in and what stories are they telling? Well, these would be Gnostics or maybe more technically correct, proto-Gnostics, because the Gnostic movement was just beginning about this time. Many different varieties of Gnosticism existed, and if you want to get a splitting headache and have to go on medication, for which you might end up at refuge recovery later, study Gnosticism. It is the most confusing, frustrating mess. But you can roughly divide them into two camps. They all agreed that the God that made the world was a bad God because the world's bad. And the God that sent Jesus is a good God because Jesus was good. They disagreed about whether Jesus was the son of God or not and all that other, but let's not get too complex yet. They had two different ways of dealing with this. One group of Gnostics believed that since the world was bad, you should have nothing to do with it. Don't eat good food, don't enjoy things, sit around, mope, and die. The other side, which is the one Jude seems to be writing about, said, since we know that our bodies are impure and the world is impure, our spirits are now pure because we know spirit is not body, therefore your body can do whatever it wants to do. License for immorality. Live whatever you want to do because your knowledge, your gnosis, Gnosticism, that'll save you. Oh my. Every time... We speak of grace. Why is it we have to then warn people grace is not a license to sin? It is, it's amazing. And we get to the point where you don't even have grace, do you? A friend of mine wrote me this week and he said, we had a guest speaker last Wednesday and he talked about how God is the one trying to keep you on the right side of the road, but grace keeps trying to get you to veer into the left lane where you'll die. And I'm going, seriously? Grace is tricky and it's trying to kill you? No, but grace does not mean that God doesn't mind what you do. We have been saved from sin, not saved to sin. It's a big difference. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know? 
that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Not like the old life. This is a new life. Our story has got to have the power to adjust our behavior. It's got to have the power to take us away from sin or to remove the desire to sin or to remove the joy in sin. If we enjoy sinning, perhaps we're listening to the wrong story. But then Jude goes somewhere where no other writer of the New Testament goes. He goes into the metaphysical. He goes into the mystical background of our reality. He goes into some stories that the old people knew but we don't know because we didn't share those stories. Now, if that sounds odd to you, how many of you, well, let's, let's even, let's see, Church of Christ, we're going to give this a go. How many of you studied Shakespeare in school? All right? All right. Two-thirds of the people don't know those stories. They may know some of the rough bits about the stories, but not much about the stories. And therefore, if I reference those stories, they're not going to get it. Well, what if you didn't study John Milton? By the way, if you did, sorry. Man, those are tough. When I found out that he'd written a book called Paradise, then got married and wrote a book called Paradise Lost, and then, and then when she died, he wrote a book called Paradise Regained, I had questions about John Milton. But most of the stories that you know about the origin of the devil and what it's like in hell and what it's like in heaven don't come from the Bible. They come from John Milton. You need to know where your story comes from. Most of the way we do church doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from the Scottish church, the Kirk Session, the Church of Scotland, and John Locke and his philosophy. We need to know where our stories come from. By the way, when Jude references a couple of books that aren't in our Bible, don't panic. He's talking about stories that they knew. He's referring to stories like, I might, I might refer to The Princess Bride. And some of you know that movie. It doesn't mean I want it in the Bible. It just means it's a story we, we all know. We go and look at the stories. So, by the way, we're not looking at conspiracies here. You can go find these books if you want them, well, at least one of them. The other one wasn't important enough to be saved. By the way, if you want to, perhaps this autumn or sometime, I can just do a short series, like eight or ten weeks on the books of the Apocrypha. I'll let you see what books were there that we don't have in our Bible. And we can, we can do that. It's easy done. And by the way, you'll enjoy the stories, and at the end of it, I don't think you'll think they belong in the Bible. I like Shakespeare. I don't think he should be in the Bible either. The Gnostics believed and worshipped a large rank of angels. You see, they believed God was so pure, no human could ever approach him. They didn't get the Jesus thing about how Jesus brought us together. So they put levels of angels. Well, these levels of angels kept getting more and more and more and more complex because people kept saying, well, you know, you say there are only 10 levels of angels between us and God. But I believe God is much purer than that. Therefore, I think there are 500 levels. And it went to thousands. So they would worship the angels rather than God. 
And so Jude reminds them that our story, our true story, tells us that some angels are not reliable. Some angels fell. And some of them are too dangerous to be allowed to roam this earth. Look at verse 6 of Jude. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Some angels were too dangerous to be allowed loose. We already know some angels were allowed loose that were pretty dangerous, right? We know the devil. We know the names of, of demons in scripture like Baal and, and Ashtaroth and uh, Beelzebub and Rahab and the like, but there were some that were so dangerous they were chained up. We don't know all that, what that means, but I'm glad God chained them. So Jude says, therefore, if any angel is telling you that you can do with your body what you want to do with your body, remember these angels are not reliable. And remember another story. In verse 7, he says, remember Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what happens when people think they can do whatever they want to with their body. And by the way, Sodom and Gomorrah, according to the book of Ezekiel, God destroyed Sodom because they did not care for the poor. Isn't that interesting? It was the way they treated people, not just the acts against the angels in Genesis but the way they treated people. And he said, do you remember them? They heard the wrong story. They believed the wrong story. I, I grieve when people make assertions and think they've made an argument. You know, we shouldn't have, this is the way things should be. And I'm going, that's not an argument. Give me evidence. That's an assertion. Well, it grieves me even more when you listen to talk radio or you listen to the news or you listen to one of these shows, daytime talk shows on tele and television, and um, they, uh, I could have said the wireless, come on, tele, that's, that's movement, um, where people stand up one after another and nobody says, I think. They all say, I feel. You know something? Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but not, opinion, not all opinions are equal because you're not entitled to your own facts. Facts are facts. And if you want to make them up, sorry, that's not the way this world works. Before you follow a dreamer, you might want to investigate the dream. Take a look at Jude, verses 8 through 10. In the same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, heap abuse on celestial beings, but even the angel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not, and by the way, some of you are going, what, what? That's the point, we'll get to that. Did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand. We see that on television, people mocking God, mocking Christians, mocking morality. And the very things they do by, understand by instinct as irrational animals do will destroy them. Your feelings are important, but facts trump feelings. Facts always trump feelings. We are far too often entertained by those who slander God. On our televisions and our movies, we are too often entertained by those that make a mockery of faith and make a mockery of our story. And God told us, don't support these people. 
Look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but look at this, also approve of those who practice them. Who do you approve of? Who do you support with your money? Who do you support with your movie tickets? Who do you support with your MP3 downloads? What, who do you support? We do not support those that attack our story. That's our rule. Our story is what saves us. By the way, we don't know why the devil wanted Moses' body or whether he wanted the dead body or the alive body. But there's a book called The Assumption of Moses. It's not in our Bibles, but every Jew knew it. That's what Jude was referring to that talks about this dispute between the devil and Michael. We don't have it. It's not scripture, but he refers to it like we would refer to Shakespeare or the Princess Bride. Jude then reminds them of the story of Cain and Balaam and Korah and what do they all have in common? All of these rebelled. All of these heard the story of God and said, I've got a better story, come follow me. And when they refused to accept the authority of God, they were destroyed for it. And then in a chilling statement, he warns us that those kind of people are still among us. They're still eating with us, which meant a lot more in the first century. You are who you eat with in the first century. They're even teaching us their stories and they're spending their stories for their own benefit. Look at Jude verses 11, I'm sorry, 12 and 13. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain. In other words, a lot of promise, nothing delivered. Blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. I kind of wish Jude had had a chance to write his long book. That kind of poetry would have been fun to read. But those kind of pictures, he says, don't go into the dark night with people that make promises they cannot deliver. And then he goes to another story that would have been very well known to everybody there except for the newest of the Gentile believers, and they weren't his target group, the book of Enoch. You can still read the book of Enoch. Many translations of it are online for free. Uh, there are different versions of it out there, and there are different books. There's the first book, second book, and the fourth book. The third book is really the fourth book. It gets confusing. We don't have it. It's, it was loved and treasured by the Jews, but they did not consider it scripture, and so it didn't make it into the Bible. Jude verses 14 through 16 reference the book of Enoch. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers. God does not like complainers. God does not. Look in the Old Testament. He went after them faster than he went after anybody else. Grumblers, fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Don't follow the fault finders. Millennials, let me talk to you for a minute. It's not your fault. We're the ones that put the people up that taught you to be 
sarcastic and dismissive. I've sometimes referred to our society as the David Letterman Society, even though his day is long past. His entire shtick through the years was to make fun of whatever was in front of him, no matter how serious it looked, to do basically the right response. And then we raised our children in that. God says, don't dismiss the right stories. And you'd better listen to who's getting inside your head. I've told the story here before of a man that came in. He and his wife came in for counseling. And he was very critical of his wife. She's sitting there, a beautiful woman, tears running down her cheeks as he's delineating her faults, which were not faults, by the way. He was a grumbler and a complainer and a fault finder. I listened for a while until he called her a bad name. And then I just slammed my hand on the desk real hard, and he jumped a bit. And I got up and got in his face, which you would have laughed if you'd seen, because he was a bodybuilder, and I don't have a body. <laughs> but I'm not afraid to see Jesus. So I, I leaned right into his face, and I said, who gave you that word? And he looked at me, and he goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm upset. And I, I said, no, stop it. Who gave you that word? And he was frozen for a bit. And I said, the English language has more than twice as many words as the language in second place. You have a lot of things you can use to describe your wife. Who gave you that word? Who are you listening to? Who are we listening to? What stories are we letting inside of our head? God has little time for grumblers and complainers. Remember, that's what the devil wanted in the Garden of Eden, to say, God's holding out on you. Look at this nice fruit. Isn't it wrong that God won't let you have that? You should complain. Watch out. Jude then places two groups side by side, people who believe their story and people who believe ours. Let's look at this. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful. To those who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire. To, show, to others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. That means don't even flirt with evil. Don't even flirt with it. I am... Um, about that last phrase. One of the reasons we sin so much is because we don't hate sin enough. Sit in a counselor's office for a few weeks and you'll learn to hate sin. You'll learn what selfishness does. You'll learn what anger and bitterness and grumbling does. You'll learn what adultery does. Go sit in a divorce court for a month or two and see if adultery to you anymore is just a fling, just an affair. We sin too much because we don't hate sin enough. Get into a 12-step program and listen to their stories. 
get into a room with a girl or a boy who's been trafficked and then tell me, it's no big deal. No, it is. Listen to the stories. And remember our story. And remember the book Jude wanted to write. A few verses here. Jude 3, and we're skipping to 24 and 25. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Would you please stand with me? Mark. I want to ask you to please ask yourself three questions this week. Who are you listening to? What story are you believing? And third, where is that story taking you? I could even add a fourth if I wanted. Do you really want to go where that story's taking you? As a people of God, we must listen to the story of God. I will ask that Jude 24 and 25 be put back on the screen. And if you would please read this with me as we go into our last song. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.